know about you guys, but let's just thank Joe and Jack and the music. Um, today, I want to dive into uh, Jesus' teachings, and um, I'm just going to put the title right up. We're going we're gonna to explore this, and hopefully it has some more meaning by the end of it. Um, the powder buoy and the soul. I don't know about you, but before this, I didn't even know how to spell buoy. I was like, how the heck? These, who invented that word? Buoy. <laughs> um, but yeah, so this is where we're going. And uh, I'm excited. Um, I'm going to try to just go slow, and uh, hopefully this has something that can be helpful um, with where you're at in life. And that's what I love about... Um, Jesus' teachings specifically is that um, they apply to every area, I guess, what do you call it? Every tier of life, every age of life, every stage of life, um, Jesus' words are so powerful and so practical. And um, I think, I just kind of feel it. Like we've been going this direction for a long time, but we're going deeper. And um, just every week, as Gordy's teaching, as Abby's teaching, as I'm getting a chance to teach, it's just, you know, I just feel like we're going deeper, deeper into what it means to um, follow Christ and be transformed by Christ. I guess deeper into peace, you know, deeper into healing. And I think this year is going to be different. Um, than, than the past. We're going somewhere. So, um, you know, it's encouraging, but, you know, I don't know if you guys can relate, but sometimes the spiritual life can be discouraging. <laughs> like, you can feel stuck. Like, sometimes I just wish that there was some kind of physical indicator in my life to say, you're on the path, you know, and, like, you wake up and you see the green light and you're like, I'm on the path. Wouldn't that be sweet? Or there's a red light, and it's like, you're off the path. So you know, like, okay, what I'm putting my efforts in, it's not going to end in fulfillment. It's not going to end in beauty. So I got the red light. I'm out. Wouldn't that be nice? But a lot of the time, we just get, we just get surprised. And um, it's kind of like, you know, we didn't know that this winter, of 2022, 2023 is one of, for the ages. It's one for the books, right, Connie and Al? Why is that? We're getting more snow and more water than anybody could have predicted. Like last year, we were in a heavy drought. And what's happening now? It just all of a sudden flipped. And I was watching the news, and one uh, news guy, or it was one resident of California was like, yeah, we needed water, but not all at once. You know, and now it's like causing all these problems. And I don't know, there's so much people stoked. But also, if you get on the headlines, there's so much damage. They're calling it uh, in California the bomb cyclone because it's just blowing things up. Like the wind and the waves and, you know, everything is just blowing things up. Historical landmarks. In, in Santa Cruz, California, one of my favorite towns, the pier, the wharf, Fisherman's Wharf, got blown up. You know, this historical ship that sits there, you can see it, like from World War II. 
It's gone. All these things that have been landmarks are wasted and gone. And, um, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's just interesting that, like, the very same storm system that is bringing so much stoke and fun, because I'm, last Friday was maybe the best powder day of my life. Woo! See, I got some love back there. Anybody else? I'm serious. I was up at Brighton, had this run. I've never eaten so much snow. Like, as soon as I just put a little bit on my toe edge, I was like, get back on the heel, can't see. And again, and I was like, oh, eat some more. Just going straight down, and you can't, you can't go fast enough. But, uh, you know, the experience from person to person is, uh, can be so different, you know? And uh, this, is, this is actually where Jesus lands what I think is his greatest teaching. Um, the Sermon on the Mount, his most cohesive, long, uh, profound message about humanity lands at this place. I want to read it. If you put up Matthew 7, um, that a storm is going to hit, you know? And I just want to... I want to remind us, I want to remember that um, when, you know, when a good teacher is, is laying something out, usually the conclusion ties it all together. So if you want to know, like, the main point, it's going to be in the conclusion. And so a lot of people think Jesus is talking about all kinds of different stuff in the Sermon on the Mount, but clearly he's leading us to one thing. And this is, I want to start here, just so it's, we can start with some clarity. Jesus said at the end of his message to all the people, therefore, if, if, or therefore everyone who hears these words of mine and these four words puts them into practice. I've heard people say, when you follow Jesus, there's nothing for you to do, you know? It's, it's pretty popular. You don't got to do anything. But, clearly, there's something to practice. <laughs> I don't, I'm not saying you have to earn God's love. That's impossible. You can't. Um, God is love. God has love that's unconditional for even his enemies. And so unconditional love bathes this whole world and everyone in it. But there's something to practice with Jesus' teaching. So if you're bored in the, in the Christian life or spiritual life, you're not listening to these teachings. But whoever puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew, the storm system was massive. And it beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. So remember a few weeks ago, we pointed out how the disciples said, Jesus always taught with metaphor, right? So if this is a metaphor, what is the house, would you, what would you say? What does that represent or symbolize? What's he talking about? You. Your life. <laughs> the, the storm beat against your life. 
And some, some lives crashed. That's a reality. Some lives crash, you know? Sometimes life gets too much, and you just don't have the foundation to navigate the stress and the pain, and you crash. And I know maybe, I think all of us in here can relate with that, that sometimes the storm just keeps coming and keeps beating you down, and you start wondering, is God even with me? Maybe God's even against me. Maybe he's punishing me. Why won't this storm stop? But the interesting thing is that the storm in this parable isn't about punishment. It's not about reward. It's just every life is going to get beat on (laughs) in this sense. In this sense. It's the nature of life. However, where did we start? Is this the next one? Do I start at the top? Here we go. Oh, whoever... I'm assuming it said that. Whoever does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew, and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority, or it was power, it was powerful not as their teachers of the law. So the conclusion of this message, of this sermon, is that Jesus is trying to extend to us a life that's unshakable. Okay? That in, he's, it's available to all of us. What's the difference? It's, it's not where you're born. It's not what church you go to. It's not what denomination, it's not what mistakes you made, it's not what success you had. What's the difference? It's those four simple words. Whoever puts them into practice. So I just want to say that Christianity is not about surrendering your effort. It's about putting your effort in the right place. Okay? So hear me just very carefully with this. And Jesus is going to teach us what we need to pay attention to. Because there's a lot of things we can pay attention to and give our effort to, and we're just going to end up crashing. But the paradox is that the things Jesus wants us to pay attention to are easy. And when you learn those things, the most difficult things become easy. And this is, this is the nature of the paradoxical life. And, you know, it's, it's just, it's complicated a little bit because I know how many people in here want to live an unshakable, fulfilling life? <laughs> Does anybody not? Just give me one person who doesn't want that. <laughs> Crusty Mike in the back. <laughs> Everybody wants this. It's obvious this is a universal desire. Like, every single person in the world this is their deepest desire. It's just we're going about it in a lot of different ways. We all want the same thing. Peace, fulfillment, joy, love. It's just why, why sometimes does the ugliest stuff come out of us? You know? It's like I want to love my, I want to be a great dad, you know? 
That's one of my biggest desires. I want to do that. My, my daughter's still young. You know, how, how am I going to not allow the ugly things to fly out of me? You know, and it's just, that's, that's part of, I think, the spiritual life is... Um, uh, and where we're going today is sometimes for you to accomplish those desires, you know, you got to look at the things you least expect. You got to pay attention to what you don't want to pay attention to. Okay? It's a paradox. When, when Jesus started this sermon, so we just covered the conclusion at the beginning of the sermon, is the famous Beatitudes. You guys all know them. You know what the Beatitudes are? It's an announcement that life is upside down. <laughs> life is a paradox. Just real quick, I'm just going to say, Jesus clearly points out, okay, if you want comfort, where do you find it? It's in mourning. Who's rich? The riches are in the poverty. See? This is where we're going to get messed up because if we want comfort, we're going to try to grab comfort. The nature of life is that if you want comfort, sometimes you got to reach for mourning. If you want riches, you got to reach down into poverty. Um, what else does he say? You guys help me out. We're just hitting these real quick. Um, he says something amazing. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. That means the ones who aren't demanding and the ones who are humble. Somehow, life will just give you everything you need, like a gravity. It'll be drawn to you. You won't need to go fight and scrap and hurt to get what you need if you learn this powerful way of living, this powerful way of life. So, we have to remember that, too. We're going for a fulfilling life. We're going for an unshakable life, okay? And that life includes now. just want to say that as well. Jesus didn't come telling people, hold on for dear life until you die, and then you'll go to a good place. Did you know he never said that? There is a good place, but it's within your reach right now, and it'll extend forever. we got to get over this... Um, I guess, narrative that takes our focus off of our life now. Because unless you're looking at yourself right now and doing work right here, you're never going to get it over there. Okay? I know we're speaking a little bit of, this is the hard thing about teaching is that it's paradoxes, man. So, all right, so I've, uh, I've been getting super stoked on a really weird tool, okay? I didn't know that I had a, a, a huge passion for meteorology. It's, it's weird. If I, if I would have been tapping into this passion, like, how old, how old am I? Like 15 years ago, I would have gone to college for it. I'm, I'm loving meteorology. How many of you guys have heard of windy.com? Windy. Windy's the hottest thing right now. If you want to know the snow, you want to know the surf, you want to know the wind and the waves and the weather, it's not Surfline, sorry. It's not, I don't know, Open Snow is pretty good, you know, Evan Thayer, 
He's pretty sick. It's windy. So there's a, I have a picture of this. I want to show you guys what windy.com is. Oh, why are they so fuzzy? That's my fault. Are all of them like that? Show the next photo and just see if it's fuzzy. That's all right. Okay, go back. We'll get to that. Okay, so windy.com is this tool where, I don't know if you can tell, but that's, that's the North American continent, right? That's America. That's the ocean on the left side, the Pacific Ocean. That's the Atlantic Ocean. Those swirling tornadoes are energy systems, storm systems. And this is so cool. So I started getting on there, and I was like, I never, I never thought to ask this question before, but where do storms come from? You know, does anybody, they don't just show up over Park City and dump the pow. They, they're existing somewhere else, and they're gaining energy somewhere else, and you can actually predict it a little bit. It's not exactly, it's not like guaranteed, but what you do is on windy.com, you can start on this, uh, it's a time lapse. So as I follow the time lapse, what you're going to see is those storms are going to swirl their way towards the west coast, to California, to Oregon. And they're going to hit the U.S. And then once they hit land, they dissipate. And then the same thing's happening over in the uh, Atlantic Sea. A storm swirls, surges, builds, and goes and hits land, hits ground, dissipates. And so I remembered this weird little, uh, I guess it's a tool, but it's kind of a myth. This is Park City mythology. You guys ready to get into some ski lore? This is local hometown ski mythology. The powder buoy. Who's heard of the powder buoy? It's getting more well known. The powder buoy. I love it because the powder buoy is a paradox in itself. The theory is that this buoy floating in the ocean out by Hawaii is the best indicator of how much powder we're going to get in two weeks. So if the buoy pops because it measures wave height, you know, it's a buoy floating in the ocean. If the buoy pops past a certain height, clear your calendar Get your gear, call in sick, powder is coming, and it's coming heavy. And it's so funny, because I think, so the story, there's actually, I'm going to ask you guys if you know this guy. If he was here, that'd be so cool. The guy who first noticed this, I feel like if, if windy.com existed back then, I would have discovered this. Because I, no, I was like, oh, look at the storms passed by Hawaii first. But... The, the guy who discovered it, it was in 2004, Michael Ruzek. Ruzek. Anybody know him? Friends with him? He lives in Park City. He's somewhere around here. But he's the one who, he, he started the powder buoy. He started the name. He started the Facebook page. He started the hype. But he actually had a friend who was living part-time in Hawaii, surfing, and then part-time here, snowboarding. And uh, Hank Meninen, and Hank Meninen, anybody know Hank Meninen? It's in this town. This is a changing skiing world, and it happened right here in this town. It's pretty cool. So this guy, he told Michael Ruzik, I think that's how you say his name, there's this buoy that he watches. Nobody else knew about this, 
but he pays attention to the weather before it becomes snow and before it becomes rain. And when it's just energy, it's almost invisible. We don't see it. It's just floating over the ocean. And he, this specific buoy. So throw up that next picture. This is a pretty cool diagram. So you see what I'm talking about? That's Park City, Utah at the top with the snow. That's the buoy over there on the right in the middle of the South Pacific. Okay? And so the whole thing is that I love it too because it's the connection of surf and snow because those are like my favorite things too. But if you want, if you want an indicator for, you know, and it actually, you know, in, in a place like Park City for my dad, this is like, this is literally, if you, he lives in Tollgate up in the canyon. He watches weather like a hawk. He always knows the weather. Abby was making a joke the other day and she's like, Tommy is the weather hawk. He's just always on it. And it's cool. He wakes up, checks the weather every day because it affects his whole life. Like sometimes, like especially here in Park City, if we get tons of snow, we got to shut it down. Don't drive down the canyon. Amen? Can we get an amen in here? Don't hit Parley's if it's freaking nuking. <laughs> Can't see anything. There's tour. I'm just kidding. I'm not going to bag anybody. But like paying attention to this subtle thing can actually be the difference between life and death. It can also be the difference between lots of fun or missing out. So this is like a, it's a heavy scenario, but it's also a fun scenario. But it's, there are these indicators in life that Jesus taught about that if you pay attention to this and you read it and it goes off, watch out. Because the, the energy is there. The storm, whether you're denying it or not, because, you guys can write this down if you want, before something enters your life, oftentimes it's going to enter your heart first. Let me say it another way. Before something becomes external, it starts internal. And I'm going to explain that a little bit more. I'm not saying... Every external circumstance is in your power. That's not what I'm saying. And that's not what Jesus is teaching. But um, the things that you think are going to mess up your life actually aren't. And what you need to pay attention to is this little tiny thing. So let's go to Matthew chapter 5. This is the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount. I hope we're going to be picking this apart throughout the year, but I just want to give one tangible, practical thing we can practice, okay? Because it's about practice, right? You got to practice. Jesus says, don't think I've come to abolish the law or the prophets. I've not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I tell you, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. So Jesus isn't trying to teach anything new. He's just trying to take it further. Therefore, if any one of you sets aside one of these teachings he's about to give us, um, these commands, and teaches others accordingly, will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever practices and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, 
This is a really key phrase. Unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. Let me give just a quick little rephrase of that. So, unless your, your life, your efforts, go deeper than the current teachers of religion during that time, you will never experience the kingdom of heaven. Remember, the kingdom of heaven is Jesus' metaphor for a life that is connected to an infinite source of love and joy and peace and creativity and healing. It is a kind of life. The kingdom is not a fancy, it's, meta, it's, a, it's a metaphor describing an internal reality, okay, that we can access now. It's just, I feel like we've been cut off from the teaching of Jesus because we've made it about going to this place somewhere else with golden roads and golden, maybe there are, but that's not what he's teaching in this whole section. What he's saying is, listen to the Jewish teachers, you know, do not kill, do not commit adultery, um, all the Ten Commandments. He's saying, listen to them, but it's time where you're not going to experience peace. You're not going to experience joy just by not killing somebody, right? That's where we're going. So next, next verse. This is what he's talking about. You have heard that it was said to people long ago, you shall not murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. Okay, hold on, go back. This, these are the Ten Commandments. These are the religious teachings. But this is the problem, is people aren't experiencing the full life. You know, there's a lot of, they had a lot of scholars. There's a lot of guys dedicated their whole life to memorizing the Bible. But Jesus pointed out their lives were empty, if not ugly, with anxiety, with fear, with manipulation, with things like this, even murder. Like all throughout the Bible, you're going to see it. And I would say this is the same thing today. There's a lot of churches. There's a lot of teaching. You can go on podcasts all day long. There's podcasts that are way better than what you're getting right here, by the way. <laughs> there's, po- there's way smarter people, you know, got degrees, went to school. I went to Bible school pretty long, I'll say. Seven years is pretty. I'll tout that. There's people who have been way longer, way smarter. And here's the problem, though. Where is the peace? Where is the fulfillment? Where's the wisdom? Where's the fruit? And it's about, it's not about being smart, you guys. It's about the fruit. It's not about if you can win an argument. It's about can you love someone? (laughs) It's that Forrest Gump line. Forrest Gump is the best Christian movie of all time, in my opinion. I might not be a smart man, but I do know what love is, Jenny. (laughs) <laughs> dude that movie is ooh, he's nailing the sermon on the mount that whole movie guys it's insane it's not about who can win a religious argument Jesus wasn't concerned with that he wanted to know who could come into the presence of an enemy and transform that tension into a friendship into love. That's the epitome 
of the Christian life is you can do that. You can make peace. But somehow we've made it into who can, who can uh, academically dismantle the paradigm of that other person's beliefs and prove that I'm right. You know the fruit of that kind of conversation? That person feels like crap, doesn't want to hang out with you at all. <laughs> Amen? I know firsthand, I used to be all about that. I don't do that anymore because it's not the fruit. You know, you might get real loud and end an argument, but you're going to be backtracking in that relationship for weeks. You know, trust can take years to build, you guys, years. One outburst, one day, one moment, one choice, we all know, can change it all, can wreck everything that was built. How sacred our words are. It's not about who's the smartest. It's not about impressing each other. It's not. Our culture loves that and stuff, but what, what fills you with joy and peace is right relationships and connection. Create, creating purely and doing what you were made to do. See, this is, we're trying to get to the fruit. So Jesus says, you think that if you're, if you're about to kill somebody, your life's in danger. That's what he's saying, right? But actually, let's take it a little bit deeper. Let's travel from the coastline of California and go out in the ocean a little bit and see what's there. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Let me rephrase that a little bit. That subject to judgment doesn't mean who's getting into heaven or not. It's not. It's not, it doesn't mean that. That's not what Jesus is talking about this whole time. It's just talking about you're in danger. The, the storm siren is starting to go, you know? Tsunami is coming. What? No. What? If you're just angry with my, I'm angry all the time with my brother. What do you mean? Again, anyone who says to a brother or sister, Raka is answerable to the court. He's speaking metaphor. Nobody's going... Nobody's going to court for saying raka. It's not even a bad word in our language. And I just said it from the pulpit. <laughs> what does rock even mean? I don't know, but it sounds like a cuss word. You know? It's got that hard, you know? Raka! It actually just means, um, it was just like a term of contempt. When you don't care. That's what, it, so it, does, it actually doesn't matter what word you're yelling at somebody. But if in your heart, you're saying, who cares about you? We all have different ways of saying that, you know? Fill in the blank. <laughs> Whatever. Brushing it off. Not caring. Dismissing. Shutting down. Cussing out. Whatever. When this is happening in your heart, is answerable to the court. And anyone who says, you fool. I do it all the time when I'm driving. This idiot, you know? Like, oh, dude, you fool will be in danger of the fire of hell. Let me just translate this. You guys can study this on your own. Go into the Greek. In this passage, when he says you will be in danger of the fire of hell, it's very poetic, very powerful. But actually what Jesus said was what you're, what you're going to experience is Gehenna, which was the garbage dump of that time that was always burning. 
Okay, so what he's saying is get ready. If this is starting and this is happening, just wait. It's a matter of time until your life is going to feel like you're on fire. Like a burning garbage dump. And, you know, so many relationships start out like a beautiful garden. And there's hope, there's optimism, there's connection. But why on earth did it end up feeling like a burning garbage dump that I just needed to run screaming away from <laughs> as fast as I could. How did that happen? That's, that's the question of a lot of us. I'm sure we've all had that. It's because what starts, let's just keep reading. What starts in your heart, it's generating something that is going to manifest in your life. Therefore, if you're offering your gift at the altar, if you're at church and there, remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them, then come and offer your gift. And I just want to say, I know that none of us have 100% perfect relationships. So maybe we should all just drop the mic. Let's, let's just go reconcile. <laughs> but I just want to say, like, a lot of the Sermon on the Mount, when Jesus says... Turn the other cheek. Give to the one who's needy. He's not telling you an instruction to do it every time. You have to use wisdom. You, have to, you can't make peace with everybody. You can do your part, but it takes two to tango. We're not always going to have peace. You shouldn't always give to whatever someone asks of you. Some people might ask you some stuff that it's actually healthier to say no. Okay, But when Jesus, Jesus is giving us little stories of what a life connected to the kingdom looks like, what it can look like, what it can feel like. It's not, um, what's the word, dogmatic, do this. And the way he told the stories weren't like that either. He's just saying the importance of more than coming to church and playing religion I'm saying it kind of crass, sorry. More, than com- more important than coming to church is your relationships. There's, it's going to affect the feeling of your inside more. You're, you're going to be cut off from peace, not because you, had, you didn't go to church that day. It's all good. I'd encourage you guys. Sometimes don't come to church. Go ski. It's all good. <laughs> Jesus didn't try to start a, a strict regimen of soldiers that go to church every Sunday at a specific place. That wasn't the mission. It's helpful. If you want to be here, that's helpful. That's not the mission. The mission is your relationships. So before you start fighting with somebody about what church they go to and what church is better, remember that that's irrelevant because if you blast them, this is going to feel like Gehenna eventually even if you're pretending it's not. So he just makes his point. Keep going. Settle matters quickly with your adversary who's taking you to court. Do it while you're still together on the way. Or your adversary may hand you over to the judge. The judge may hand you to the officer, and you may be thrown into prison. And it's just building energy and inertia and momentum. And what started as a little you fool is really gaining momentum now. And I tell you, It's not going to stop until 
you've paid the very last penny. So what ended up, it's an interesting choice of words too. Put that last word, I mean that last verse. He's, who's he talking? Settle matters quickly with your adversary. The interesting thing is just a few sentences before, he was talking about your brother and sister. And a lot of people like to look at Jesus' teachings like as separate nuggets, but it's, it's one string of thought. What started as a brother or sister can end as an adversary taking you to court and taking everything you got. And it all started with Raka. See, it all started with a little, you fool. And so, after you've lived life enough, this is pretty easy to accept. It's hard to accept this when you're younger, I think. But as we go about our days and our relationships, there is an indicator on if we're on the right track, if we're moving towards fullness, if we're moving towards healing. There is, it's, it is almost like a green light and a red light, clarity. It's just you have to change your focus from what's being accomplished, from who's winning the argument, for what the business deal is, from what you know, you're going to buy, from the external world, from the visible world. You have to turn your focus internally into the invisible world. Okay? So just to close, I want to bring up my good man. Uh, <laughs> this is sick. Vincent van Gogh. Okay, he's very famous. Vincent Willem van Gogh. There's a lot of stories about this guy. There's pop culture about this guy, but the true, real events of his life are a little bit um, mysterious. We love to think of William or uh, Vincent van Gogh as like the crazy guy who cut off his ear and committed suicide and died, right? That's not the story. I want to tell you, this is so, when, when I saw this, I, I just stopped studying for a day and just thought about this. I was like, this is amazing. Vincent van Gogh, he actually grew up in a Protestant home. His dad was a preacher at a church. I don't know what he went through. I don't know the trauma he experienced, but he went through some heavy stuff. He got to a place in his life in his 20s where he couldn't manage his emotional pain anymore. He, it happened early for him. Sometimes this doesn't happen to us till 40s, 50s. And what's happening, you guys, is trauma lives in your heart. How you feel right now isn't even about how nice this room is, how comfy the chair is, how nice you were greeted. All of us right now are carrying specific feelings and emotions. It's very real, it's very alive right now, but guess what? Some of those things you're feeling right now happened when you were 12 years old. Like, it is psychology that you carry grief for years until it is felt and dealt with. Even, you can even be carrying grief from when you were a baby. And that's kind of scary for me, I'm like, I do not want to cause trauma for my one-year-old baby girl, you know? 
last night. She was like crying in the room. I was like, no. It's like I wasn't there fast enough, you know, just because I'm thinking about this stuff. I'm like, you know, if you're, if you're one years old and you're crying in a dark room and nobody's coming to get you, they're actually tracing back and connecting the dots that that, that kind of leads to a person that doesn't trust a lot, looks after themselves. Their heart starts to get closed. And that's, that's, that's the obstacle is the open heart, the connected heart to the kingdom is the full heart. If you close up too fast. So what happened with Vincent Van Gogh, it sounds like the worst thing that would ever happen to us, but it was actually the best. He got sent to a mental hospital, an asylum, like St. Remy's or something like that. And it was actually a really beautiful place because the owner of St. Remy's wasn't doing what the surrounding mental hospitals did. He believed that art healed people. And Vincent van Gogh didn't start painting until he was 30 years old. You know, and he became one of the most legendary, impactful artists in human history. He didn't start painting until he was 30. You can pick up, you can pick up skills as an old dog, amen? <laughs> I'll take, I'll receive that. So he starts painting in his room, okay? This guy. There's people screaming in their cells, like in just trauma, locked in their cells. If you'd go visit Vincent van Gogh, there's letters of this. He was, he, one friend actually said he was in perfect health, mentally and physically. He ate three times a day, and he painted. And what he did when he painted was he went inside. Okay, one of the best advices he ever got was stop painting what you're seeing out here and paint what's in here. And so if you look at his paintings, The Starry Night, there's influence of the landscape, but he emphasizes things. He started painting what he felt, what things stuck out to him. That tree, this is actually the look, the view from outside of his, his room. That was the view. But it's not like a photo. He, that church is actually the church of his childhood. That church isn't really there. See that steeple? He was processing things that happened as a kid, painting it, letting it come out, okay? This is the craziest part. Vincent Van Gogh, he painted 2,100 paintings in, by the, in like seven years. In one year, that year, this is towards the end of his time at that hospital, he painted 150 paintings in a year. That means he completed a painting every other day. You know how much soul work he was doing every other day? It's amazing. It's courageous. It's scary. And he was just painting it. He needed to bring, he needed to express. Because when you bottle it and you repress your trauma, it's an energy storm system. And guess what? When you freaked out at that guy on the road the other day, that had nothing to do with that guy because you don't even know who's in that car. <laughs> that just means you have, that means I have <laughs> unaddressed anger. I got work to do, because it's just projecting, right? It's like, sometimes even when you freak out at a friend, it has nothing to do with that conversation. You're still fighting a battle with something that happened years ago. 
You got to identify that. You got to give voice to that. You got to feel that. You got to express it. I think if you make art about it, this is what you're going to experience is healing. So here's the trippiest part. Okay, guys. So Jesus, the greatest teacher, in my opinion, that who changed the, the globe and culture more than any single human without any help of tools and fame or whatever. He, Jesus taught that, and he believed that as you study nature, it's going to teach you how to navigate spirituality. By looking at the birds, you can learn about God, okay? By looking at the outside, you're going to learn the inside. Vincent van Gogh did the opposite. He went so far inside, and he painted what he saw the best he could. Okay, throw up this next picture. Do you know what he painted? His, the sky to Vincent van Gogh was a canvas for his emotions, the energy systems that were swirling in torment inside. He'd never seen a weather radar. This is a weather radar, a satellite image, with, the, with sophisticated technology of the energy swirling around the world. This is a guy who never saw anything from outer space or zoomed up. He just went deep inside his heart and painted the landscape of his soul. They look the same. <laughs> look at the sky. Look at the o- these are the storms over the ocean. I just sat here and looked at this. How did he know? He was painting satellite images before there were satellites. <laughs> because there's a connection, you guys, between the external world and the internal world. If you're storming inside, Don't go enter that business meeting thinking you're going to accomplish anything productive. Do you see what I'm saying? There's a connection between what's inside your heart and what's going to take place. If you're storming inside, don't go fight your spouse in that moment. You're not going to, you're going to be just, just wrecking stuff that is sacred. You're going to be wrecking all the things you don't want to wreck. But when you ground yourself, when you take time and you have peace in your heart and the Holy Spirit is inside of you, you can enter a war zone. And it's amazing the power that single humans have, the transformational power they've brought people who are full of the Holy Spirit, who just live their life. They enter a conversation. They enter a marriage. They enter a job. They enter parenting. So the work isn't even about, you know, we all want external good things to happen. But actually, what Jesus is teaching us is if you want to experience anything good out there, you got to go in here. So, Joe, you can come up. She's going to sing a song for us. Um, but these are the beautiful things about Jesus is to attain peace in your life, it has nothing to do with anybody else. Let me say that one more time. To have peace in your life has nothing to do with anybody else.
all of your emotions are going to be weapons until they find some kind of ground, some kind of landscape, some kind of physical manifestation. The best work you can do to find peace, stop fighting those other obstacles. This is, we have a lot to learn in our culture. Vincent van Gogh, he didn't descend into madness. He actually got healthier and healthier. It's documented. Um, he just started paying attention and dealing with the storms. Okay, so I just, I just have an encouragement for you guys. Today, this week, what if we got real good at checking the powder buoy in our life? Okay? It's not addressing issues by the time they blow up. It's too late by then. It's paying attention when I'm speaking today. Is what's coming out of me rooted in anger? Am I objectifying people? Am I using people? Am I making promises I can't keep because I want to appear more important than I really am? You know, all these things that Jesus gives us are totally in our control, and we can move in a spirit of peace and of God. And Jesus says in Matthew 6, when you seek first the kingdom above all else, everything you desire will be added unto you. It'll just come. It'll just come. When you seek the kingdom above all else, everything you're longing for will just come into your life. It's an amazing way of being human. So I just want to encourage you guys, you know, I really wanted to, I'll just close with, on this thought too the storm isn't a judgment you guys some of us are facing a big storm okay it can be scary man you know you're not being judged or cursed by God Jesus clearly teaches that's not how God works it's not the storm is there to show you what you are building your life on it's okay to be a little shook. It's okay to lose a little bit of a roof. You know, it's okay to lose a little bit of your yard. It's going to help you. It's going to help you see what you're rooting in things that aren't helpful. So as we're facing our storms, you guys, may we check that indicator, that powder buoy that is feeling the emotions May we learn how to live in a way where love comes out of us when we need it most. That's the Christian life. When love can easily flow out of each of us in every scenario we need it to. So let's do some art. Let's do some painting. Let's do some music. Let's do some work and heal and become the light of the world that Jesus always said we can be and I say this in Jesus name